This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, everybody, to episode two of the Browns Film Breakdown podcast. I'm your host, John Colosimo, with our analyst, Jake Burns. We're here to break down the 21-21 to tie that we saw this weekend in a stormy, rainy game uh, in First Energy Stadium against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Jake, you want to jump into initial thoughts on what you thought you saw in the game? Yeah, it's it's a little... um... It's it's two sides of the coin, John. To be to be quite honest, there was a part of you feels really good about Browns coming back with seven thirty six left, down twenty one seven. With the Steelers, were undefeated in those situations over a plethora of years, uh, something like sixty four and zero in those situations, and they did a nice job of showing some resolve and coming back and you know making a game of it, having a couple opportunities to win it. Um, but then there's the other side of the coin, which is uh, you know, having created six turnovers, having a plus five turnover differential and losing, which is pretty rare. I think uh, Bill Barnwell tweeted out that there was, um, over, since the Browns came back in 1999, it was 140, 134, four and one. The Browns have uh, been responsible for um, two of those losses and the one tie. So you feel a little bit Amazing. Yeah, you just you just feel a little bit empty, but you also feel a little bit positive. <laughs> it's like it's <laughs> like it offset how we're supposed to feel. It's like it pushed back our week one usual, which it's usually disappointment. It delayed our disappointment another week, or it delayed our optimism. It's pretty weird how that worked. How that worked out. So yeah, I'm not I'm not been out of shape about it. I thought um, we'll cover this, but I thought they did some things well on both sides of the football. Um, but not enough consistently on both sides of the football and special teams to really, um, you know, win a football game. Yeah, I I had a lot of those same feelings. I just um, I was I was really happy. Don't get me wrong. I was jumping up and down at those turnovers and us getting back into that game. Uh, But at the same time, it was three quarters of some utterly frustrating football before that and with especially when you're seeing these penalties I mean just kicking yourself uh you know kicking yourself in the butt all game just turning uh positive scenarios into tougher ones um some questionable decision decision making by Hugh and the staff uh and we talked a little bit of this on Twitter but it, you know t- seeing Tyrod just drop back and have nowhere to go with the football or not seeing where to go with the football almost every single time he got to the top of his drop. It just, yeah, it it graded on me. And so I was, I was really happy to get back in that game. I mean, I was thrilled. I was jumping up and down, but uh, it was definitely a mixed feeling type game. And to get that tie in the end, uh, it sure felt like a loss to me overall. Yeah. It's, it's weird. You, you know, you don't want to complain too much, (laughs) <laughs> about a tie um, when you're the Browns and haven't won an opener since what was it 2004, John? Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't. But it doesn't feel. It certainly doesn't feel like a win. You don't feel, um, you know, elated in any way either. So, you know, it, it. It. I hate the phrase. I say that every time I say it, but I then continue to say it. It is what it is. 
they did some good, they did some bad. And usually when you do a little bit of good and a little bit of bad, you end up with a result that might end up weird. And, you know, you end up with a tie. Um, but there's, you know, it's a division game that you certainly could have lost. You and I could both agree about that, that it, that it could have very easily, but, you know, when it was 21 seven, um, and the Browns were getting the ball back and it, it certainly looked like it hit Nick Chubb in the face. Um, you're like, okay, it's the same old Browns. It's probably going to end 28 or 35, (laughs) seven, but you know, they caught a break and battled back and you can feel good about that. I thought they did some things offensively that were a little better at the end, but certainly limited. We'll touch on that. But yeah, I mean, overall I'm neutral. I didn't, I tweeted this out. I didn't get my, my usual, uh, early season disappointment and I didn't get the elation of victory. I just kind of feel empty. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was such a weird uh, thing. I think I saw somebody tweet this out and it hit uh, right on target for me, which is, it was, I felt like it, it was a loss. It, you know, it was a Monday after a win, you know, it, you, some of that carries over into a Monday and this one felt like a loss to me. And at least twice, uh, I actually then remembered that it was actually a tie and I had, you know, that kind of Alonzo morning uh, <laughs> gif uh, nod of my head after uh, realizing that. I, I did that at least twice today. Yeah, uh, yeah no, that's, I mean, that's exactly the feeling you should have. It's, it's uh, you know, it, you wake up, you think, well, disappointed, but nod of the head, turn your head sideways, grin a little bit. Could be worse. <laughs> you got a Saints team here week two, which we'll dive into them a little bit on Friday, but um, you know, Saints team that's coming off an ugly loss at home to Tampa Bay, who, you know, might, I, I, I'm always a, how's a team's train of thought here. I think that, you know, they obviously know that they have to win this game. But at the same time, you're thinking to yourself, this is a little bit of a walkover. We can coast through this one at home. So you might catch them on their heels a little bit. So um, opportunities there, um, bounce back, get in the dome, play better offensive football and um, have a shot, have a shot to steal one in the, you know, in Louisiana. Yeah, I can't wait to get into that later. Um, you know, Connor had a great game against us, and it does. You know, I'll only say one thing about you know next week's game, but you mentioned that they'll they'll have their backs against the wall as far as being zero and one, um, and as well as Connor played, he was put in fantastic situations. I thought more than anything else, and uh, Alvin Kamara is not Connor. Uh, so it's, uh, I, I'm a little bit, you know, just thinking about that screen game gives me the willies, but yeah, as it should, the, the saints are as effective a, a screen team as anybody in the league. You hope the Browns pay ultra close attention to that and can run screen period after screen period to get a feel for when linemen duck out and, you know, stopping their feet and, and turning and taking off where the read comes from. But yeah, I'm going to have fear of that all week too, buddy. Well, all right. Uh, getting into, uh, some of the uh, PFF grades and a little bit more of a deep dive into uh, how this game went. You want to jump into what you saw uh, looking at the PFF grades this week? Yeah, yeah. So your high grade of, of people who played a significant number of snaps, Jarvis Landry, uh, graded out as 70, um, which is about fitting. I thought he was their most consistent receiver. He was targeted upward, of depending on which site you use for targets, right around the 14 range. Um I thought he uh, he did some things well, um, you know, especially the ball up the sideline. He made a nice play on fingertip catch. He made a nice another nice fingertip catch on a really poorly thrown down and behind him ball late in the fourth quarter. Um, he did a little bit blocking too. I thought he played well. I mean, seventy is an average score, so he did fine. Uh, J.C. Treader, a center in the NFL, should do pretty well. I mean, you usually don't have somebody lined up over your face and. Your responsibility is very rarely man-to-man, so he graded out as a 69.1, which is fine. Um, your your next highest skill position player, uh, pretty close to the same, Josh Gordon, Carlos Hyde, 60.9, 60.8. Josh Gordon ran a very simplified route tree, a lot of downfield throws. Need them to really diversify how they're using him, slants, square ends, uh, digs, a little bit more of that. I didn't feel uh, – I'm, I'm watching the All-22 tonight, but I just didn't – have a great feel for him being occupied um, in, in concepts that were uh, beneficial to getting in the ball in his hands quick. He, you know, he's effective in the quick screen game. If you watch Josh Gordon's 2013 tape, he can take a slant to the house. You know, he can he can certainly do some of the short stuff and turn it into a big gain. So he can he can yeah, do all of those things. 
Yeah. Even the bubbles with him, he, you know, he'll grab that right there and, you know, basically fall forward for 10 yards. Yep. Any play with him can be a home run play. So I, I certainly need them to be better, um, you know, using him. And again, the, the turf sucked. He played a lot of snaps. I think he played upward of 69 snaps. So, uh, you know, they, they, they just have to use him, I think, a bit more effectively. Um, find some creative ways to get the ball in his hands quickly. I need them to do that next week. I hopefully, you know, like I said, hopefully they will. Carlos Saida, as I mentioned earlier, 60.8. I thought Carlos was fine. I think he he certainly had his moments where, where there was a, any bit of wiggle room. He did a nice job. Didn't pass block all too well. None of the running backs really did. Um, but I thought he ran it fine when, when given the opportunity, um, you know, downhill. Other people that I thought were worth noting um, – Joel Batonio struggled a bit, graded out at 56.3. Not a surprise when you're moving a guy um, back from left tackle back into left. I know left guard's his natural position, but he's moved around entirely too much. Um, so a little bit of a struggle is not surprising. Down toward the bottom, David Njoku, he actually pass blocked well and run blocked well. He just didn't perform very well in the throwing aspect of things. Had a, had a drop on a corner route that he should have brought in. Um, a quick throw to him over the middle on a little pop. They missed. He it was a little high and wide. He probably he could have made a play. He just didn't look comfortable. I didn't think he looked comfortable. He's obviously come from Miami. I'm not sure he's great in cold weather. He, he I don't know something about him yesterday just didn't look comfortable to me. That 43.1 grade feels about right. Tyrod Taylor at 50.6. Um, his grade was boosted by a nice job in the run game. Did a nice job getting out, stinning plays with his feet a couple times. Um, you know, run, he, he didn't throw it well. His pass grade of 42.9 feels about right. A lot of throws up the sideline, very small usage of the middle of the field. And Desmond Harrison was the low grade, 40.4. Actually pass block relatively well, close to 70, but run block pretty poorly, 35.8, which also feels about right. Grades influenced by three penalties, one of which was declined, but um, had two false starts, and then he had the not lined up on the line of scrimmage play late in the game. Didn't he have two right in a row? Uh, I think two back-to-back series because because mm. Betonio had one. It was like the first series it was third and three. Betonio had one, and then right after that, Harrison had on the next uh, next time they lined up. So bang bang, That's and then the next series he had he had another one. So um, yeah, his forty point four feels right. He didn't run block well. I don't I don't expect him to be a great run blocker. He is not very big by left tackle standards. So um, I do expect him to be a work in progress run game wise. The 70 pass grade feels about right. He does really well getting to his depth in his pass sets, especially on uh, pretty obvious passing downs. So uh, it feels about right. I think that's where the balance will be. If he can improve his run grade up into the fifties, you're, you're seeing his grade jump up significantly. So undrafted free agent, starting left tackle, not even a full camp. I think he did. Okay. Um, I'm not going to be too down on him. What are your thoughts? I mean, I sprouted off a lot of guys. What are your thoughs? Yeah, I mean, uh, right on Harrison there. Uh, you know, that pass blocking seems about right, but at the same time, uh, he started to get worked by Bud Dupree uh, late in that game. Uh, a couple of back-to-back plays that just looked pretty bad, and I don't think a whole lot of Bud Dupree. And so I was a little worried there, and it was those power moves, which people you know said that he, he could struggle with, and it definitely worries me going into – another game uh, with a much better defensive end next week. So, um, yeah, I, I was, I was concerned to see Bud Dupree, uh, t- having a couple of good pass rushes against him, but I, I did see a lot of good stuff early on. Uh, he definitely wasn't, wasn't a turnstile out there. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, I was one of the people that was very much against this move to move Joel Batonio back to uh, left guard to start Harrison. Uh, but, that's what the coaches decided to do, and they didn't get entirely embarrassed by that. I do think that we suffered some. I think Joel, like you brought up, I think he suffered from some of that shuffling. Um, and, you know, as far as Tyrod, uh, he, he was rough on the passing game. The, the thing that I can't necessarily say for sure until I look at that all 22 is is what he really had at the tops of those drops. So, you know, where I I, I have frustrations with watching him, I just don't know how much of that was on him, how much of that was on the receivers and their effort, and how much was on Todd Haley for the way that they schemed for this game. Yeah, I felt like Pittsburgh was a step ahead of 
Todd Haley the entire game. I just, I don't know. It was just, it was so weird to see them struggle that significantly and be really pushed outside the hashes in the passing game. I didn't really, I didn't enjoy it. I felt like I said that, that Pittsburgh had a feel for what Todd Haley wanted to run. Todd Haley didn't have a ton of confidence in the diversified playbook. They are bringing together a lot of guys really quickly. So um, limiting the amount of calls you make is is certainly understandable. You're going to get a lot of boneheaded mistakes. Um, Chris Hubbard didn't play all too well um, at, at right tackle. It's just it's a lot of guys, man. You're you're gelling a lot of new guys who have only had one uh, mini camp and one off season preseason training camp to get it all right. So there's going to be growing pain at the beginning. I think I noticed a few times Antonio Callaway seemed lost. So. Um, you know, it's, it's a work in progress. It would have been really great to steal that game because I don't think they're quite ready to win games, um, with their offense yet. So, you know, it's, uh, it's early. It's, it's a work in progress. It might not look pretty for a little while, but again, it was, it was a monsoonish atmosphere. I want to see what it looks like when they get into some better weather, you're not going to play in the rain like that all too often. People try to act like in Cleveland, when you play in that can, you don't play in those conditions. It's cold sometimes, but you don't play in those conditions very often. Where no, it's that, literally raining the entire game. So that um, was wild. I mean, that was really coming down, especially near the end. And, you know, sometimes it was hard to see, uh, but, uh, depending on what kind of an angle you were getting, uh, from the camera, but just about every time they showed that press box, you could really see how much it was coming down. And it it was raining. Uh, yeah. It was raining that whole time, and it's just really hard to uh, say that you can believe everything you saw um, as what you're going to see on a normal fall day. It just wasn't that normal. No, and it, and it, you know people are full of hot takery this today, and you know just just calm down, man. It's one game. Whether that one game was played inside or you know in perfect temperatures or not, it's it's one game. Let it play out a little bit. You know, especially considering the weather that we saw, it's, I just need everyone to calm down. It's, it's a lot of panic mode over the quarterback situation, all that stuff. So, you know, it, it, it was fine. Let's, uh, let's jump to defense, which, you know, we saw, we saw a lot more positives on that side of the football. Your high grade is Jannard Avery, which seems pretty fitting. He played 44 snaps. Pass rush 29 times, had 10 run defensive plays and five drop into coverage plays, graded out at 90.3. That kid's just good. Like, he's just a really sound football player. His pass rush ability, I have a feeling we're going to look back on him in like five years and be Antonio Brown level talent. I know different positions, but an Antonio Brown, like fifth, sixth round steal where they're like, how on earth did that guy get there? So if they keep right. using him right, um, he he plays hard. Okay, think about what you want from the kid in that position. He plays ridiculously hard, hundred percent all the time. He's built like a, a, a you know a brick wall. He's he's full of muscle. He he's flexible enough to bend and turn the corner, um, and he hasn't even really added a secondary rush move. So if he's used right as like a three four outside linebacker, or in the situation they're using that like you know, four, three, four situation that they're using. It's he's good and he's going to continue to be good. I mean, he had a forced fumble. He had a hurry. He had obviously the sack that led to the, to the ball right into Schobert's hand. So you feel good about him. Um, you know, what do you think, man? Yeah. I, I, it's such a huge benefit to this team to have gotten a guy like this in the fifth round. Even if you'd taken him at the Chad Thomas spot, um, you'd be feeling pretty damn good about him. And to see um, Agba in a walking boot here today, now we're really glad to have this guy on the team. Uh, and just like you said, I think he needs to be used in a certain way. He's not ready to just like come out there and, and be Khalil Mack or something like that. Uh, but they seem to be using him pretty well, and that effort is just sky high. And he seems to have a knack for making big plays. So, I mean, that's it's about time we we got a hit on some of these late rounders. You know, it's 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 been a while, and to to finally be the one um, or one of the ones who who gets that gem 
uh, on day three feels pretty good. I and mean, that's what he looks like he is. He looks like a, a clear hit in the fifth round, which just doesn't happen that often and certainly not this quickly. No, I mean, and off the top of your head, can you think of the last Browns late round big hit player? I mean, I, I can't. Not, is, the, not this quickly. Not it, this quickly. Is Josh Cribbs the last one? Was Josh Cribbs taken? I think he was a UFDA. Yeah. Um, he probably was. I, yeah. I mean, I, and that's, that's even more rare. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's certainly few and far between where the Browns have had like a late round. Where did this guy come from type of feel? So it's good to see he played really well. Um, and I think he'll continue to play really well the way they're using him. There's no reason to change how they're using him. So, um, like you said, with Agba's injury, I don't think they lose much. You hope that Zettel can come in and kind of fill those shoes, but they'll use Avery more and more. So good sign. Um, Denzel Ward, 85.6, did great in um, uh, run defense, filling his, his lane, containing um, you know things when they came to his side. 70 tackling was a 53. A couple missed tackles I didn't like, but, you know, it, it, it's going to happen. Open field tackling is one of the hardest things to do in the NFL. But covered it in 86.4, which was awesome. He had um, four tackles, one assist. Um, had uh, He was targeted against 10 times. Six receptions were made his way. He had two picks. His first pick was a really, really nice play. Um, you know, reading Ben's eyes, holding down the hitch. They were in a little hitch pivot. Um, letting Antonio work inside and kind of settle wherever he wants to settle. He started working back out as Ben scrambled right, and, ben, and uh, Denzel did a nice job of sitting on Switzer until the last second and jumping and making a, you know, a horizontal diving interception, which was which was great to see. Um, second interception was a bit of a, uh, you know, it's it, sometimes the ball falls into your hand. It hit off right, of, right place, right time. Yeah, it was a little is pop they ran hit off of Jesse James' hands and, and literally landed in his lap. But that's okay. You're going to have somewhere he gets unlucky. So those things, in my opinion, always balance themselves out. So, um, but you know, the, the the other key plays there was a uh, the touchdown ball um, on you know I think it was shoot second and goal from the thirty or the twenty five or something. I don't know the actual distance of the touchdown throw, but he did a nice job. That's who Denzel Ward is. He plays man coverage the way he's taught at Ohio State. He's going to stay in your hip pocket and run his hands up through the ball when the ball's there. That's just who he is. That's how he's been taught. It's going to be second nature for him. Some people want him to turn and find the ball, which, you know, that's fine. I I have no problem with face guarding like that if your technique is sound. I thought his technique was really sound. Put his hand up through the – we always called it through the pocket, the catching pocket. Put his hand up through it. But Antonio Brown made that catch and outside the pocket and carried it over his arm. So, like – I don't know, were there five guys in the whole world who can make that catch? A.J. Green, Julio, Julio Jones, Josh Gordon, you know, OBJ. OBJ a couple, I mean, yeah, like, and sometimes you're going to break that up. I thought it was just a miraculous touchdown catch. So, you know, it is, it is, uh, it's okay. It's a good, it's good coverage. Yeah, you want him to break it up. And, um, but, you know, sometimes you pat another guy on the butt and say, hey, good play, man. That's, that's, that's part of the game. They win some too. So what'd you think of Ward? Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was thrilled to see him doing well there. Nice to see him make that play, that one play where he sat on the on that coverage and then jumped uh, completely horizontally, like you were uh, talking about. That's a play that a lot of people were saying he might not be able to do. You know, they were questioning his ball skills uh, at Ohio State because he had so few interceptions. Uh, but like many others have pointed out, uh, it's the way he was coached there. You know, to play. Um, and run with those receivers and not really be looking for the ball. He wasn't playing much off coverage at all, a lot of press man. So it was nice to see him right away prove that, yeah, I can do this too. And uh, not many people can even make that play athletically. So it was, it was nice to see him do that and get the pick. You know, instead of lots of times you see with those DBs, uh, you know, they, they go to make that play but just can't bring it down. Mm-hmm. And he brought it down, and it was huge, took points off the board. Uh, so yeah, I didn't have a problem either with the, uh, with the long touchdown against Antonio Brown. It, like you said, he was right there and, and for the way he was playing it, you're not going to do it much better. He, would you like him to maybe get his head around there? Uh, maybe, uh, but for the way that he played it, you couldn't have asked for anything better. Like you said, he had an arm in there. I mean, <laughs> what are you going to do? Sometimes, uh, sometimes the offensive players just, uh, get the better of you, especially when they're future hall of famers. So 
Yeah, yeah, I thought he had a nice play too late in the game on a route that Antonio Brown kills on, just a long cross drag, and he he was in his trail position the entire time when Antonio caught it. He he made the play, tripped his feet. I was impressed by that because that's a play that you know Brown has killed Pittsburgh on for years, and it was it was a play after the Browns had tied it at twenty one, and you could see frustration um, for the first time I think ever when I've seen Cleveland play Pittsburgh. Um, I saw Antonio Brown frustrated, and that was cool to see. Like he came to the sidelines, you know, throwing his hands, really frustrated with what they were doing. So, um, you know, good good signs all around. You want your first round corner to play like that. Um, no bigger competition. You know, he didn't cover Antonio Brown all game. I think he only had like four targets against Antonio Brown or something like that. Um, you know, the, the Steelers move AB around all over the place, so that's not even remotely surprising. So, good good game. You feel good about him as your fourth pick. Two defensive linemen standouts. Um, Ogunjobi played really, really well. Thought he held his gap. He did his usual bull rush. Um, just really consistent inside. Did a nice job in his run fit defense. He had an 84.2 grade in the run fit defense. Tackled at a 73. Feels about right. Pass rush 71. You know, his coverage rating, he dropped into coverage three times, which is just stupidly frustrating, but it is what it is. And, uh, I'm not even going to talk about that. I just thought he played well. He just he maintained his gap. He turned things where he needed to, to turn them. And, uh, you know, he didn't make any flash plays that people are going to point out. I, I'll probably point out a few in film, but um, just good. Just what you want. He, he's what you want your lead D tackle to be. Uh, Miles Garrett is going to have all the talk, uh, as he should. 82.3. Thought he started out slowly. Um, give, give me your thoughts on him first. Yeah, I, I... – he did seem to uh, start off a little bit slow. Um, I saw him drop in a coverage and uh, actually do a couple of decent things. I thought, yeah, nine uh, times total. Uh, wow, mm-hmm. I didn't know it was. Oh, I see it. Yep. Yeah, uh, I didn't think it was that many, but uh, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. Um, his his run defense. I'll tell you what. Just as a overall, uh, his run defense, I think, has been much better than a lot of people thought of him coming out of college. He has been a stud against the run. Um, and you know, obviously there wasn't a whole lot for some of that. I think they had a, a quick pass game plan, uh, in early on and he didn't have a ton of opportunities to, uh, get all the way to the quarterback, mm-hmm. but boy, did he come on at the end. And, uh, I love how, uh, he looks like he really is going for these strips. It, it's not luck. It's not, you know, just how hard he hits them. He, you can see him going for these planning on it and getting that ball out. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, it was just uh, what I saw was uh, a guy that you hoped for when you took him number one overall. When you say that a guy is a generational talent, which I, I was big on saying that, I think he would have been probably the first defensive player. If you combined 10 drafts of uh, to 10 previous drafts of defensive players, I truly think he would have been the first off the board. That was before I ever saw him play uh, a snap in the NFL. And I think you're starting to see what that means on a NFL Sunday. Yeah, just uh, he's fully he's fully healthy. Um, I, you know, I, I don't I, I don't know what's uh, what's not to like in terms of how he's playing. Like you mentioned, John, he's holding down an edge uh, in the run game. Um, strip sacks. He made a, his first sack with speed off the edge, all the way around uh, Villanueva and made a play. Um, but yeah, he's creating. I thought everything Pittsburgh did offensively was created around not letting Miles Garrett impact the game. I don't like dropping him nine times. I prefer dropping somebody like Miles over dropping somebody like Larry Ogunjobi, but uh, <laughs> um, or Trevon Coley. They dropped Coley and Shelton last year, and that was really frustrating. Like I think that I have conversations with people about this on Twitter. I don't mind dropping interior linemen, but not more than two times a game. Like it has to be the right situation. I, I'm not even huge on dropping ends. But it has to be the right situation. They just do it so often. Now, they dropped Miles nine times. He played 85 snaps, played every defensive snap. Him, Joe Schobert, um, Demarius Randall played 84, so he played everyone but one where he came off with a knee injury, so he played a ton. And Denzel Ward played all 85. So those four played a ton of snaps. Um, but, yeah, I thought I thought he, he couldn't really do much else. The strip of, of Connor was fantastic. Went right to Jabril to really swing momentum after the Browns kind of looked down and out of it. And, 
you know, they, they had a game plan for him the entire game, and it's it's pretty obvious that he's going to be an all-pro for years to come. I just don't see any evidence. When he's fully healthy, like he said, there's no reason he can't be. Um, Demarius Randall, Jabril Pepper, 77-75, thought the safeties played well. Um, not really a ton to note about them. You know, I, I, I just think they were solid. When you don't really think much about your safeties, I think they played well, you know. Randall had the interception on the deep throw, deep post that looked like A.B. and Roethlisberger were confused on the, the launch angle of the whole thing. Um, but it was heck of a play tracking the football. Um, he graded well, 81.4 tackling did Randall, 82.7 for Peppers. thought they both played sideline to sideline well. I didn't really feel a whole bunch of anxiety over the depth of Randall. I thought he has a much better instincts at the top of that defense to get where he needs to get to. So he's fine. Peppers clearly looks comfortable toward the box. Um, you know, so it, it, uh, you feel good about those guys. I mean, I feel good about them. I mean, Kendrick will get some snaps there too. He didn't play all too well. He played 63 snaps. I didn't really totally love what I saw from him covered really poorly. Um, you know, Kendrick always grades out well tackling. Cause I think he's a pseudo linebacker, more like a, more like a Darren Lee than anything else. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. That's the, Those two are just really solid. I felt good about it. It was nice to see Peppers comfortable um, playing closer to the box. What would you think? Yeah, I, I thought he had a surprisingly low number of snaps is the first thing I would say. You know, 35 snaps mm-hmm. seems uh, com- compared to about double of that for Kindred. It's a little surprising to me. Yeah, they played Kindred in the slot a lot, which was interesting. Didn't I didn't enjoy it. I'm gonna, I, I got to no. watch. I really got to rewatch. I watched the first watch really to just point out the big things that happened. And then I go back and watch players um, play. So I, I got to rewatch it. You're right. 35 snaps is alarmingly low. Um, but I think that they, if you look at their linebacker snaps, they played Collins 51 snaps and they played Kirksey 62. So some of that with Kindred, I think he was a pseudo big nickel linebacker. So, um, you know, sometimes he was in the slot. Sometimes he played a little bit of linebacker too. So keep, keep that in mind. But the two bottom guys, the, the the second to bottom was was Body Calhoun, who graded out at a forty two point two, which to me feels high. They scored him high in run defense, but he was a forty point two pass grade, which is probably about right in forty seven coverage snaps. He's responsible for I think about one hundred and eleven of the Juju Smith uh, Smith Schuster route yardage. Got beat on a uh, fade, a slot fade in the first quarter that gave up a huge chunk of yardage where he just got off balance. And I pointed this one out on Browns from breakdown. Didn't work his feet, lunged, whiffed, and it was just an easy throw. Your safety can't do anything about that when that, that wide receiver goes untouched. And then the uh, second half, third quarter, quick slant. They ran that play on third down in the first quarter. Um, their very first series, they threw that ball to Antonio Brown. Calhoun got outside leveraged and whiffed. Um, and beat inside, and then they came back to it the first play of the third quarter and caught. Oh my, it was the first drive of the third quarter, and I think uh, Juju ran for 65 yards. I hate saying his name, but anyway, he ran for like 65 yards or something like that, so it was a big play. So, And that play that play probably would have gone for just as many yards in the first if uh, Ben had an on-target throw. Yeah, it was low in a way. Yep, you're right. It was, it was there, and I think they kept that in their back pocket for when they wanted to or got the look they wanted to get. So I think Smith-Schuster is so. really good, man. They're going to have a problem with him for a long time. Those two on the same team, it sucks because they both have positional flexibility, and they line up inside and outside, and they're both sure-handed. They're, they're mirror images. Like Juju's like a homeless version of Antonio Brown, which is still really good. <laughs> so... Um, yeah. Anyway, Christian Kirksey in 62 snaps, a 28.8. I got to rewatch it. That's absolutely terrible. That's like that actually a 28.8 might be the worst score I've ever seen from pro football focus on a guy who played more than 50 snaps. Um, I'm a bit alarmed. I, I did not in watching it. I did not notice that, but I'm going to have to watch. I have the second half to really break down still. So, um, you know, the internet issues I've been dealing with here kind of stopped my ability last night and uh, tonight to get into the things I did the first half, but yeah, what, I mean, those two, what did you think of those two? I, I thought it was the worst game that I'd seen from BBC. Um, I, you know, he just, uh, he looked a little bit lost, uh, playing man there and he got burned several times. Uh, just definitely the worst game that I've seen from him. I've just never seen that kind of, um, uh, you know, attention paid to him and it be successful. So, uh, and then I feel the same way about Kirksey. I, I can't say that I was screaming his name watching the game. So I'm, I, I, 
I'm having a hard time picking out certain plays that, uh, or there had to be many plays actually to contribute to that kind of a score. But uh, I, I'm like you, I, I don't recall which ones those were. So it'll be interesting when uh, I see the all 22 on that. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch him again. I didn't, I didn't, nothing jumped out, but that doesn't mean his issues don't jump out and cause issues for other players. But yeah, um, body Calhoun's going to have to figure it out, man. They're going to play a lot of man. And, and I think, um, you know, Brendan Leister pointed it out in conversation. Might have been with you today, but it was, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that, that obviously nickel corner is one of the hardest positions in the NFL to play. I mean, you got to be responsible for being a pseudo box player against the run. You got to be responsible for a wide receiver that has a two way go on every snap, and playing man to man is really challenging against that. So, um, you know, could be a one off. Uh, we'll see. He might be better fit for zone. He's also a pretty good free safety. So, pay attention to any kind of. Um, you know, positional changes they might try to play if they figure it's not going to work. They might try to play Demarius Randall closer to the line and have him play deep because Randall can do that. He can play uh, Body Calhoun back at free safety and feel like you're you're better off for it. So we'll see. Um, that's something to pay attention to. But special teams wise, um, you know they don't they they do a kicking summary, a return summary too. I mean, Zane Gonzalez made his extra points. All three extra points were pretty true. I like those kicks. Kickoff game was fine. The win was pretty heavy factor one way or the other. He missed the last one. When I watched it live, John, I thought the launch angle was really low. Um, now, obviously, they blocked it, but I didn't see T.J. Watt got it, but he didn't jump. He like dove outward and got a hand on it. I thought the launch angle looked low for a kick that was only 45 yards. Now, it's into the win. Probably have to kick it that way. I'm going to watch the all-22. I think there was a leak at the left guard position, but um, – you know, came out a little low. I, I had zero expectation for that ball to go in. I don't know where you were at with it. Where were you? Yeah, I, I, I just didn't think it was going to happen. <laughs> so once we got the, uh, that penalty, it was just the, another Cleveland thing, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we get, we get it all the way down there and then there's a block in the pack penalty that, that never should have happened from miles of all people. And uh, no, it just, it, I, I have to be honest when they lined up, it didn't feel like that thing was going in yeah. uh, and it wasn't surprising at all when it, uh, when it got blocked there. Yeah. I know Hugh thought that they jumped initially, but there were reports uh, afterwards that we used the same snap count for the whole game. Yeah, I and think Jeff Lloyd came it. up with that nugget, which that, I mean, that, that's not a big deal. I mean, teams have the same snap count all the time. Like in college, we would just, Red eight, red eight, and then it was everywhere. A, a kid flashed a hand. The holder flashed his hand. Like that—that's overblown. I mean, you just—you just block. You just block. You—you you, you step down and you don't let anybody through. It's it, people, yeah, people make a big deal about that stuff. Like, okay, we know the snap. Okay, whenever the kid flashes hand, you know the snap count. Whenever the quarterback lifts his leg, and the Steelers' entire snap count was the left guard hits the center on the hip. They're snapping it. Like <laughs> it's overblown, <laughs> man. Like it's—it's. It's, you think you got a nugget there? It's not really a nugget. It's. It's pretty obvious all the way around, but um, you know, it's the thing. The other part of the the return game was pretty. Uh, I I have I have special teams concerns. I know we're running up against time here, but they didn't cover punts well. They don't break down well. Switzer returned every punt for what seemed like ten to twenty yards. I hated that. They need gunners who get down the field and pressure fair catches. They had kick return game when they brought the ball out. The Browns. Never really got past the 15-yard line. Didn't like that. There needs to be somebody, a special teams coach, who tells them, stop taking the football out. If it's landing on the goal line, let it go into the end zone. You're getting the ball at the 25. Stop doing that. Like, it's not advantageous to take it out. Like, I know you want to make a play, but just it's the odds are so against you for things going well. Stop doing it. It's got to stop. They need to. They need to. They need to rep that. And I, I thought Pittsburgh did a nice job of high kicking it, landing it on the five to, to, to goal line. But just stop. When Pittsburgh brought it out, I thought they were they were just better in special teams. They didn't. They missed the the game winning field goal. Obviously, uh, Bosher missed it. Um, I think that or is it Boswell? I can't remember. Anyway, um, you know. I, I, but every other area of special teams, Pittsburgh won that level of the game. Pittsburgh really won. I think Pittsburgh won two levels of the game, special teams and defense, and that's why they should have won, in my opinion. Their offense was so bad with turnovers, it kept Cleveland in the game. But, you know, that's where I'm at. And then obviously late in the game, the Browns get one more chance at the ball, and, and uh, you know, Peppers fair catches that ball with nobody within 15 to 20 yards of them was really frustrating too. But, 
he'll get more comfortable back there. I kind of thought Callaway was going to be their return guy. Um, you know, apparently, apparently he's not. I don't love anybody they have returning kicks right now. I, I thought I think Callaway can be that um, in both fields, but they seem to trust Peppers. So um, you know, we'll ride with it. But I, I need them to be better um, in special teams because it was really pretty anemic stuff. No, I agree, and uh, <clears throat> I think it's a bigger deal than it normally is. I don't think that I've been happy with special teams. Um, overall, at least uh, in the returns, um, in the in the coverages and the returns and that kind of stuff, I think we've had generally good kicking and punting for the last you know however many years, uh, with a couple exceptions there. But generally speaking, the kickers and punters have been fine. Um, but I haven't been happy with the return game since Josh Cribbs was uh, still returning kicks, and uh, but it was always just kind of blase not really a a ton to talk about i didn't go into weeks worried about this i think i'm starting to worry about this i think we may have problems this year i I was feeling nervous after every punt uh, that wasn't going to be downed inside the five Uh, i I was worried in overtime that it was going to play a a part and and it did Uh, and i think we actually may have a special teams that's bad enough to where um, we lose some games over it Um, i mean i guess we we at least cost ourselves a win, uh, at least partially because of the special teams this year. But uh, anyway, I don't want to belabor this point too much. I'll just say that I do think that it's not a, uh, it's not like a net zero. I think we actually have some problems to take care of. No, you're, you're spot on with that. I think um, it, it is going to, at some point cost them a game. It, it's certainly when you're a team like Cleveland, who is, who is fringe enough as it is in terms of, uh, pure ability on both sides of the foot. You have to win special teams, and you know, based on preseason um, and different aspects of things, and based on um, you know what we saw from, uh, excuse me, what we saw in week one here. I, I don't see much positive coming from the special teams. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. If we're smart enough to see that it's a major issue, I'm sure they're smart enough. So we'll just you know hope they keep working on it. Let's uh, let's let's move on to the. Um, the props. What did what did those end up looking like? I, I was an idiot. I didn't account for the fact that it was going to be pouring down rain and, and made some goofy predictions. Uh, you actually ended up doing okay. Uh, you went uh, two and three, so you you lost a hundred. But I went zero for three. Uh, so uh, I thought I I took some pretty safe ones to be honest. At uh, Steelers minus three and a half and uh, Najoku over fifty. Um, you know, I, but I just, I struck out hard. Actually I did, I did worse than, uh, everybody did. We had five people in the contest. Um, I was the, um, furthest negative with the points involved. There was only one person that went positive. So they won. Uh, that's Michael Colosimo and, uh, we'll get him some, some gear. I'll hit him up on Facebook. Um, nobody fell too far behind. So, uh, guys, um, make sure that you sign up. And for right now, I've marked everybody at a thousand to start. Uh, let us know if you've made a review or also followed Jake's, um, YouTube channel, Browns film breakdown, uh, so that we can add those points to your totals for the season. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's do real quick. If you don't mind, can we go through them one by one just so people could hear what they were in case they didn't know? Okay, yeah, sure. So we'll go through each one of these and check them out. Um, we had Gordon over under 75 yards receiving. Uh, I think he only got two targets the whole game. Is that right? Gordon, I think, had Something three. Like it was very it was very low. Right, so he didn't have much of a chance. Um, and he, didn't get, uh, he didn't get over 75 yards, obviously. Mm-hmm. I really didn't think that he would, so that one wasn't too surprising for me. Um, Duke over under 75 total yards. I was surprised at the lack of usage in general. I don't know. What did you think, Jake? It kind of fell in line with a really poor rhythmic structure of offense for them. I, uh, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised just because I didn't think they found any long sustained drives, and usually Duke finds his worth in those types of drives. So, no, not surprised at all. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Taylor over under uh, 1.5 TD passes. I think this one could be a long standing <laughs> prop bet for us, really. Like, that's kind of right in the wheelhouse of, of Taylor. It's a perfect over under for him normally. Um, and he was under, so that wasn't surprising. It wouldn't have surprised me to get two there, um, but uh, he was under for that one. Uh, Njoku 
under 50 or over under 50 yards. He didn't get there. Um, he, like you said, he didn't seem to get a rhythm all game and they didn't look to him too much in the passing game either. Um, Hyde over under 75 yards. Um, this one, we, we talked about it last week. We would have liked to have seen them be able to take advantage of those inside zones. We thought we could do well there, but I don't think we got good enough play out of the guards. No, I, I'm with you. They, Interior-wise, I didn't feel good about it. I also didn't feel good about a variance in, in up-front blocking decisions. I'm actually watching the second first possession of the second half, and this is the only time they really ran it well. Um, but, yeah, I just – inconsistent in terms of structure 10 of their first 11 plays were throws um then they became predictable running the football and didn't help themselves so you know you're yeah no rhythm and then uh antonio brown over under 100 yards he had 93 he was right around that mark uh you know if he catches that slant that um roethlisberger put in the dirt in the first quarter then he probably gets over that hundred um and then Connor over under a hundred yards. This was disappointing to see. I think just his success on the ground. I, I expected to see some damage in the screen game. I think we covered that last week, but I didn't expect him to have as much success on the ground against this team as he did. Yeah. yeah frustrating in all levels there. I thought they ran the ball way more effectively than I anticipated. Now, granted a lot of the Browns run defense success we saw last year was when they were uh, comfortably behind um, or maybe uncomfortably. So we, we could be in for a surprise in terms of what the run defense here actually is, especially they were, they were pretty shorthanded up front. Like Carl Davis didn't play very much. Um, and Lawrence only played one snap. I don't think Carl Davis played at all. Um, so we're, I'm going to ha- we're going to have to see, see how that goes. Um, but they were shorthanded up front. And I thought that showed. Yeah, I agree. As Ben Roethlisberger, um, over under 300 yards. This one was um, a little bit of a surprise given the weather, but not that surprising when I, I was with you not really considering the weather earlier in the week. Um, so, But he was able to get there. I mean, he did have five quarters to do it, so that's part of that. True. Um, but that also makes it all the more surprising that we had so many unders um, on the other players. Yeah, yeah. I think we, we probably should have pulled up the weather app this week, my friend. Yeah, I think that's a lesson learned. Uh, yeah, the uh, Cleveland plus, uh, well, the line was three and a half. And uh, obviously we know that ended up in a tie. Um, it looked like that ended up being a pretty solid line to have for the game. Um, total at 45. Um, you know, again, I think, you know, once you factor the weather in, I, I think after after the weather reports came out and it got worse and worse, this total – uh, people hammered this line. I think it got down to 41 or maybe even 40 and a half. I saw by game time. So people were hammering that, that line when it was uh, at 45 and a half. Um, and that's just not surprising given the weather. Yeah, certainly the weather played a big part into it. Um, it's ironic still that that number was so close to the line <laughs> that we, that they put out, um, you know, 42 is right where they're, they're creepily Las Vegas is creepy good at that stuff. So, um, overall though, you, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, some good, some bad, um, we'll have a better feel for prop bets next week. If you guys aren't already playing, I, I, I encourage you to get in. It's free. It's fun. You can win some gear. We have t-shirts, hats. We're going to get around to, um, end of the year winner gets a Jersey of their choice. So, you know, um, get involved. It's fun. Um, tell your friends. Let us know. You can either email me the information, your 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 lines each week, which John John and I will have a, a better picture of some fun, fun props as Vegas gets more comfortable with the player usage and giving us some over-under yardage and touchdown totals and all that good stuff. But, uh, yeah, email those to me at brownsfilmdbn – or, sorry, BDN, short for breakdown, brownsfilmbdn at gmail.com, or you can, you can respond to the Twitter handle, either the pod or the breakdown. We'll make sure we always record them. Let us know you've recorded to the, or sorry, um, you've uh, subscribed to the YouTube channel, the Browns Film Breakdown YouTube channel. Um, that's going to get you some free points too. So, um, yeah, fun game. Get involved, guys. Um, a good way to stay invested uh, with the pod and with the Browns all year. Yeah, absolutely, Jake. You're right. Um, definitely get involved. This is going to be a good time. And like I said, nobody's fallen too far behind. Nobody got very far ahead. So jump in. Uh, you'll still be in it for the season long contest. Uh, to get that jersey so you know headed into next week here uh, we got a couple days off and then we'll be previewing the saints game 
Um, I'm excited about that. There's uh, some interesting stuff to look at. I, I'm going to look at the all 22 of the Saints game so I can see what the heck happened in that game. Uh, that definitely was a shocker with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick going off for 400 yards and four touchdowns. But uh, I can't wait to take a look at that. Yeah, for sure. Saints will be, uh, I mean, are obviously a good football team. They're going to be on their heels a little bit aggressive um, in terms of you know, scratching and clawing. Nobody wants to fall to 0-2 in the NFL. So hopefully the Browns can um, shock the world a little bit down at the uh, Mercedes-Benz Dome, come out of there with a, with a tough win, 1-0-1, come back that primetime game against the Jets on Thursday night will be uh, – you know, will be really big for for Cleveland, really big for the home fans. Um, you know, being on prime time, haven't been on prime time in over a year. I think the last time the Browns were on prime time, they lost that uh, blocked field goal game to the Ravens, if I recall. Where the Ravens walked off. Yeah, tough. So they'll break out the color rush jerseys, hopefully, and you know, hopefully, like I said, I've said hopefully about seven times. But the hope is that the Browns can can figure it out in New Orleans, uh, sneak a win, and um, you know, feel good, feel good coming home and and uh, getting a big win on primetime. Sounds good, Jake. Well, that wraps us up this week. Um, we'll, you can find me, Jake Cosmo at J-C-O-Z-M-O on Twitter. Hit me up if you want to discuss uh, the show. Um, and don't forget that contest. All right, Jake, I'll see you in a couple days. All right, man, sounds good. Go Browns. Go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.